Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Well, this week, I've got a return guest. Uh, Josh Fritz is a district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company in Concord, Massachusetts. See, I got it right this time, Josh. Last time I thought it was Concord, Maine when I saw M.A. So uh, last time we talked about pruning, but this episode we're going to talk all about the root of the problem, (laughs) roots in general. And I want to start right off the bat with willows. Uh, I've always been taught that a willow tree was a bad thing to plant by the house or by any place that it could, those roots could get to a, a pipe or water. Do I have that right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, willows are notorious for in, invading their root system into uh, water mains um, or cell uh, wells and stuff like that. You know, uh, uh, leach fields, they'll do a, uh, fair amount of damage to those um um those systems just because they're they're just uh they just seek out the water in any area they're at so i mean if you're going to put a willow it'd be nice to just put a willow right by a pond they'd be happy there they'd be nice you know they'll take off and just do really really well there um another thing you know just with those roots um like I said, they're just—they'll actually break uh, uh, foundations just to find water. They're just—they're—they're they're aggressive. Have you ever encountered one that was planted like that, planted in the wrong spot? Um, luckily, I haven't seen that. But when I was a kid, um, we actually had a, a another tree that I probably wouldn't plant near a water main or even uh, near a septic or something like that is uh nori maple they will find they do the same thing they're seeking out water and they found they actually found into our 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 sewer uh uh, pipe and they did a lot of damage there to the fact that we ended up having a lot of uh unwanted water in our basement and not the type of water you want in your basement because it just backed up the whole system yeah, we don't want any water in our basement, but that kind of water we especially don't want in our basement. In, in the case of, of that tree, did it have to be removed? Uh, well, eventually, yes, it did. Um, yeah, it was just, it was like, you know, a tree that um, probably rooted itself in the in the area. So it's between my house and a church next door. And it was massive. It was probably about, if I remember correctly, when I was a kid, it was at least 42 inches in diameter so that it engulfed both the church and my house and if you know anything about northern maples they have a lot of included bark so storm damage it was definitely uh a, a target it, it we, the church in the the house was the target so yeah we ended up having to remove that so i had a guy sent me a message he said that uh, he told me the story about he planted a river birch close to his house and those roots somehow got down into the house and, and he had a big problem. Is that another one that, that we should think about? 
Yeah, a lot of people they like to use uh, birches right up against the house because they night they're they have a nice uh, shape and they kind of soften the facade of the house. But again, birches in general, their natural habitat is in swampy areas, so they're again seeking for water. And um, if there is a little inkling, a little uh, crack in that um, PVC or um, whatever water main. Uh, that you have, they'll find their way in there and they, they back it up pretty big. So are those the main invasive rooted trees that you don't put close to the house or is there anything else on your list? And what are you thinking about uh, when we, when we talk about invasive roots? Those are the main ones that I, I talk about. Um, yeah. There's others out there that uh, could uh, be a, a target like, you know, elms again, um, typically you see an elm on the streets uh, of New England, or used to be anyway, but um, their root system is pretty it, uh, vast and they get pretty big and um, they can bust up uh, uh, sidewalks and they're a big tri- trip hazard. Um, same thing with uh, big oaks, they, uh, they can do that as well. So you, um, rule of thumb is, it, you know, you want to put the right tree at the right place. That's okay, the biggest okay. thing. What do they do in the city? Like if you've got a big tree and it's pushing the sidewalk up, do you, can, can you trim the root or is that going to kill the tree? It depends. Um, and, and cert- obviously uh, the bigger the tree, um, the, you don't have a lot of room to, uh, to uh, prune out the, the, the invasive roots. So some things they do, um, they actually – They'll air spade the soil and they'll put a different grid um, just to allow water. And, and um, it's basically a structured uh, sidewalk so that you still allow water and uh, air to get into the root system. Um, other ways they do it, um, they'll actually raise the sidewalk a little bit, just get a little uh, ridge so they don't have to um, damage the roots or with uh, root pruning or even excavating equipment whatnot so they'll do that the guy who sent me the message about the river birch he was asking could he put an arborvita in instead close to the house what are your thoughts about that yeah that's not too bad um obviously you want to plant um a little you know you want to have that nice uh space between the the actual house and the tree just because you you know you'll have other issues like as far as uh mold and whatnot and it'll just uh damage the siding but yeah that'd be one they can do uh, american hollies another one that i do um they, they get a nice little shape you know the conical shape and the, they they um uh, give you uh winter injury interest as well um i love i think i told you the last time i talked to you i'm a big fan of stewardias they they are great trees uh, especially right up against the house. Um, they can handle a nice uh, uh, small area. Um, they can get about t- you know 15 feet and still do the purpose of soften the facade of the house, but yet, again, give you uh, year-round interest as well. Um, so that, that that's something like that I would uh, highly recommend. Well, we got to revisit Stuartias because it is also one of my favorite trees. Uh Tell us all about a stewardia. You you said lots of uh, different seasons of interest. So take us through it. I want to hear all about it. All right. Right, right now in New England, we had, uh, let's see, 
we had a blizzard come through. So I got a nice blanket of new snow right in front of my house. And uh, I have my Stewardia right outside. Uh, just basically, um, it's the feature tree looking outside. Behind that is a lake. So you got the nice white snow and you got the little exfoliated bark that gives you a little orange, gray, a uh, little brown tinge to the bark. Um, just a perfect silhouette, you know, with, with a nice background of like a lake or, you know, a field that of blanket snow. It's just, it's a beautiful tree. Um, in the summer, uh, uh, especially the month of July, they'll um, bloom pretty much the most uh, uh, month of July with a camellia-shaped flower. So it's a real big flower with a orange or yellow um, uh, inside or the middle. Um, beautiful, beautiful tree. And then, of course, in the in the fall, you get the right uh, crimson, red to almost orange, right, bright, bright orange uh, fall color. So you can't miss that. You know that that tree is a is a, a, a showstopper. You know every every person should have at least one on their property as a staple tree. And tell me about it if you ever had this happen because I've had this happen when it's blooming, people are blown away. They're like, what? What is that thing? It can't exactly. it kind of looks like a peony a little bit, the flower. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people will say, like, that can't be a peony. It's July and it's right. 20 feet tall. Right. Uh, it, it's it's just a spectacular tree. How about hardy? How about hardiness for that tree? Hardiness, believe it or not, um they're about a zone five, but um up in uh, Loudon, New Hampshire, that's a, a nursery I uh deal with. They actually do field grown trees up there. So you figure, I don't know if you look at the map, Concord, uh, New Hampshire is like right in the center of uh, New Hampshire. So it's pretty far north as far as the hardiness zone. And they, they do well. So they're, they're probably, you know, a nice rock solid tree. I, I, I enjoy them. And they don't have a lot of insects and disease problems. So, yeah, I put one in about three seasons ago and – that first year it bloomed when I walked around the corner. I can't even tell you how overjoyed I was to see those flowers. In in general, when we're talking about planting close to the house, and I know we don't want it to be too close, and I know right plant, right place, but do you often hear, as I do, people are just like, no matter what it is, they're afraid to put it within four feet, five feet of the house for that fear of, of roots finding their way in and cracking the foundation and such. Yeah, I have some people that think that, um, but, you know, it's just education is what type of tree is uh, more prone to getting into the, the roots. I mean, the the water or even just break the, the foundation of the tree. So, I mean, yeah, um, I've had, you know, I've had conversations like, OK, let's try, you know, like a hornbeam, a n- nice Japanese hornbeam that, that will work or a fringe tree. It gives you another another flowering tree that's not going to get too big, but still have, it does the what it needs to do is just uh, soften the facade of the house. Um, same thing, you know, uh, that um, the city is starting to use um, up in Massachusetts. The Eversource is the the primary um, utility up here, and they actually created a a, a, temp, a template of trees it's like 30 under 30 so 
what they'll do is they'll actually these are the trees that aren't going to get above 30 feet and will get into the the power lines above you those 30 under 30 trees aren't going to have the big root system that a, a mature oak or um you know another maple or um just a nice street tree so that's what um they partnered with UMass and they actually have an arboretum in at the city. I mean, at U, UMass, so you can observe these uh, 30 under 30 trees. It's, it's pretty amazing, you know, uh, how they're doing. And actually Michael Durr, Dr. Gert Durr, he's the, if you know, uh, trees, he's the guy that the, he has the tree Bible and uh, he partnered with that 30 under 30 tree. Um, to, so people can be educated and put the, right tree at the right place. So. That's such great news because I've been in communities where they've t- uh, the Shade Tree Commission has taken a, a tree has come down and they replant it and the day they replant it, it's within a foot of the wires. And, right. I, and I'm like, oh, why? Why? And so it's, it's so nice to see things like that, the 30 for 30 and some more education happening. So let's talk a little bit more about, about roots and Talk a little bit about root pruning. Is that something that you do or is it something that you don't want to do? Or I'm assuming it's like everything else. It depends. It all depends. I mean, um, sometimes uh, we come up to a situation where, you know, I have a landscape that I've been in for about four or five years. And all of a sudden the tree um, is declining. You're like, okay, this is a brand new installation. What's going on? And usually nine out of 10, it's in the root system. Uh, what the planted have been planted too deep or um, it was in bad uh, nursery stock where you couldn't actually see the root flare in there. And then, so what ended up happening is now you have girdling roots in there and it, uh, you usually won't see the damage until two, three years down the road. So that's when we go in, um, we actually do a root crown excavation and we can do some root pruning to try to relieve the root, uh, the girdling roots on the tree. Um, sometimes what we'll do, and um, I actually did it this past fall, we had a new septic system going in um, one of my client's house and we actually did some preventive pruning. So when all the excavation equipment came in, the trees were actually protected before the digging. So we actually went in, got our, got down to about two, three feet where the, you know, the roots, the fibrous roots and the, the feeding roots of the tree are with it within that zone. And we prune them back and that way they're out of the way and it protects the tree. It doesn't stress the tree. They can do their excavation and um, the tree won't go into a ascent of decline. So yeah, we'll do that. And then afterwards, we'll do a um, basically a, a, a nutrient um, plan after the construction to be on the safe side. Yeah. So those are some of the things we do. When we have a snowy winter with a bunch of different snow events, the day before, when you're looking at the weather forecast and you, you see that you're going to get dumped on, what does that mean for you and your job? Oh. <laughs> uh, I all hands are on deck pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I got the emergency phone. So I, you know, it's one of those things I'm praying. It's like, okay, no, please, no calls, please, no calls. Um, it's funny. Actually. Um, 
was it three years ago, we had a situation where we had a really light winter. And then all of a sudden in March, we had every Monday, we had a, a two, three, two, three uh, feet of snow, just the big blizzards just come in. But the problem was all these, like say for instance, red maples, they're starting to bloom. They're put flowering out their new leaves. The ground is saturated, so it's not frozen anymore. And as soon as you get it like a 40, 50 mile per hour wind, all the trees topped over. So it was like a war zone. And, you know, so anytime I hear nor'easter up here, I'm just like, oh, please, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want any storm damage. <laughs> it's the worst type of work I, I do. So do you watch it closely or do you just wait for this emergency call? Uh, I do. I'm on standby. So yeah, I do. There's some, uh, obviously with uh, my regular clients, we're doing pre- uh, regular preventive pruning to try to minimize any storm damage uh, during these uh, big uh, nor'easter events. Um, knock on wood. Um, it's usually people that are not my client are the ones that are calling me, which says a lot about the pruning we do. And the preventive uh, work we do for our clients is a good uh, service. Um, you know, we've I, I've had time after time my clients say, you know what, what we did last year saved a lot of headaches for us. And you know, I saw the wind out there, and uh, you got you know down downtown there was trees down everywhere, but on my property they're they're standing uh, tall, and it's because of the stuff you did. And we really appreciate it. So that says a lot to me, you know, it's just kind of, it's a, it's a, you know, affirmation is what I'm doing uh, counts and it, 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 it affects people's lives. You know what I mean? So they, they, uh, they don't have to worry about these big storms that come up the coast. Well, it's just a great testimonial for why you should have a certified arborist come out and and look and and care for your trees. Because just as you said there, you get one of these weather events, especially later in the season like that. That's that's, no pun intended, the, the perfect storm for trees blowing over. And what a great thing to have your trees uh trim the right way so that we don't have that problem. Is there anything else on your list you're thinking about that you would plant around the house where you wouldn't have to worry too much about the, the roots getting in there? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm always a big fan of crab apples. Some people are kind of, yeah, I don't know, but they, they have a purpose. There's some that are not going to get real big, 10, 10, 15 feet tall. And again, they give you a uh, year round interest. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of, um, uh, the horn beans, the European horn, bean, horn beans, because they, again, Kind of like the Stuaria, they have that nice slender uh, shape, but um, they're they're you know like a rock solid tree. They don't have a lot of issues. Um, uh, what else? Sometimes we can use what have we done in the past? Um, those are the two big ones. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know those three. Those are the ones that come off the top of my head. I'm sure there's many. Um, it all comes down to what the client likes, you know. It's it's a conversation that we have um, before you plant anything to make sure it's a plant that's going to fit your needs yet uh, be practical in your landscape. So. so school me a little bit on crab apples because I love crab apples, 
for me, someone my age, no longer a young man, Josh, <laughs> crab apple reminds me of school, uh, of yeah. those big crab apples in those 50s elementary schools. Uh, yeah. and, and I have one right out my kitchen window, and I love it. Yes, for me, I get some fungal issues, but it's worth it for me for the flowers. Now, are you treating a crab apple for fungal diseases or you just let it do its thing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, obviously I'm in Concord, uh, Massachusetts. There's a lot of mature old, um, old, uh, crab apples and apple trees. Um, believe it or not, you know, not too far down the road from uh, Concord is Lemonster, Massachusetts, where Johnny Appleseed, Appleseed was born. And so, yeah, that's, um, so yeah, we do treat those trees. The reason why is because there are um, cedars in the woods, so they will get rust. Um, but the good thing about crab apples, they do, um, there's so many different varieties right now that are resistant. So it comes to the client's uh, likes and dislikes. And some people are like, you know what? I really don't want to put a lot of fungicides on this tree, which is okay. There's ways to uh, go around it. It's either, you know, okay, you, you know, it was especially with apple scab. It's not necessarily going to kill the tree, but it'll definitely stress them out. And they won't look good after, you know, the, the beginning of July because it will drop its leaves. But um, if they're okay with that, that's fine. But there's, you know, you can do some research and there's different varieties that aren't going to have those issues and you can still enjoy a crab apple and not have the 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 maintenance or the the spraying that you might have to do or with the old-fashioned i call uh crab apples and apples and if you would indulge me just a little bit more about crab apples there are also so many cool flower varieties you know doubles yeah. and stuff like that if you're, if you're a guy like me who's a sucker for a double flower yeah how do you explain a double flower? I say it's like a, a fluffy flower, but you're an expert. You, you tell me a, there's a better term for it. I, I, that, that sounds like a great, uh, <laughs> I love that. That's a good, I'm going to have to use that <laughs> a little puff because they are really fat and they come out. Um, let's see, which one? Adirondrack is one of them. It's kind of like a bloom. I call them double bloom. So it comes out, you know, kind of like a rose, almost pinkish, uh, at the beginning, but as it opens up, it got a really nice, uh, fluffy white flower. Um, same thing. Prairie, Prairie fire is another one that is uh, kind of like a double bloom as well that I really like to use. Um, uh, Donald Wyman's another one that I highly recommend. That's a great, great, uh, crab apple to be put in the, uh, landscape because all actually all three of those are resistant from, um, rust and uh, scab. So you can enjoy those all throughout the growing season without a lot of issues as far as uh, apple scab and uh, cedar apple rust. Well, you actually made me feel like I know what I'm talking about when I said fluffy. I like that. We, yeah. we started out talking about roots. We got into winter and pruning and also into crab apples. Josh, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed talking to you again. Thanks so much for your time. Not a problem, Doug. Anytime. We sure covered a lot of ground there. Check out some of those crab apples that Josh recommends. They're not only beautiful, they're disease resistant too. 
Now, next week, a topic that's right up my alley, eco-friendly landscape practices. Lots of things that you can do at home to garden the right way. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I am your host, Doug Oster, and I sure would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. We are having fun, aren't we? As always, we like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.